Welcome to From Tourist to Local, the podcast where I help you navigate your new life abroad and all the lifestyle changes that come with moving to a new country, leaving behind all the hassle and overwhelm. And who am I? I am your host, Mafe Salazar, a once tourist that became a local in Vancouver, Canada. So join me as I navigate the journey of going from tourist to local while having real and unfiltered conversations. Today, I have an amazing guest. Uh, she's, she's been, been on, on the podcast, podcast before, before we rebranded. She's, she's the reason why, well, not, not why, but she is the reason, um, yeah, yeah, why, why I'm, I'm here today. She helped me rebrand my podcast. Her name is Chelsea Wright. She is a podcast host and expert strategist. She helps creatives, coaches, and entrepreneurs launch, grow, and monetize their podcast. She hosts one of my absolute favorite podcasts in the entire world, in my non-expert opinion, and she covers like roller coaster of entrepreneurship, the fun and the chaos of travel, internet culture, money, mindset, and so much more. And you can catch Chelsea on a flight, working at a local cafe or running her podcast. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Hello. I'm so, so excited to be here and especially for the rebrand. This is incredible and I just cannot wait to chat to you. Oh my God, me too. I like, this is going to be such an amazing um, conversation. But um, the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because uh, in the past year, I believe, like you've been living your life as a digital nomad. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, so basically tell us a little bit about what made you decide to become a digital nomad. Oh, yeah, I would say it was probably back in like 2016. I really decided I wanted to travel. This was prompted by me moving up in the ranks at my corporate job and realizing my PTO was only increasing like one or two days every year. So it was like 10 days PTO plus bank holidays, which didn't add up to that much time. And so I would have to wait till the summer to like use all these holidays and basically go on like a seven day Euro trip, which if any of you have been to Europe, that's not enough time to get through really many countries. Like that's basically going to one or two countries. So I started to do all these trips yeah. in the summer and I was just like, this sucks. Like I want to spend more time in these countries. <laughs> and the reality hit me of like, well, this is your life. Like you don't, you don't get to just like take three weeks off or get to work whenever you want or anything. So my wheel started spinning of like, if I really want to take more time off and travel and really see the world, I'm going to have to figure out a new setup. So then the seed got planted in my mind to start my own business and create my own schedule. And by 2019, I quit my job and I started traveling. Honestly, it, I wasn't a full-time digital nomad yet, but that's when I really started like traveling. So yeah, that was the whole, the whole kickoff. Which is when you were in Australia, correct? Yeah. So then when I quit my job and I went to Australia, the pandemic hit and I was working all these odd jobs to make ends meet. Like I was knitting, I was teaching yoga, I was working at a social media studio, like all these different weird things. And then the pandemic hit and I was fortunate enough to be in a position where I was just nannying for accommodation. So I had a place to live. I didn't have many responsibilities outside of watching these kids and I didn't have to pay rent or anything. So it started to kind of set in my mind, like, this is the time you could really start your own business. Like you've always wanted to do yeah. your own thing. You have no responsibilities. You have all this space in your calendar to really sit down and think. And that's when I was like, okay, it's kind of go time. Like let's, let's pull the trigger and get to work on this. And during the pandemic in Australia is when I started my own business. And then I was able to actually, I guess, call myself a digital nomad. Yeah. 
So when you decide to like pull the trigger and like be like, yes, I want to go for it. I want to become like a full digital nomad. Like what did you feel when you came to that realization and like taking action to like work towards that dream? What I felt was a mix of excitement, um, fear, overwhelm, stress, joy. It was really like all of those things mixed in one because I think what people don't tell you about digital nomad lifestyle is like, if you're someone who was, your schedule was controlled by someone else for majority of your life, all of a sudden controlling your own schedule and picking where to live and what currency you want to use and what hours you want to work, that can be really overwhelming. And I, I did find that overwhelming. So I found it quite stressful, but I also found it liberating to be like, wow, you actually have the option to choose your own schedule and look at all the choices you have. And this is what you've always wanted. So it's interesting to have a mix of emotions come with that. And regarding taking action, I just started to realize the biggest thing for me was financials, right? Like you can't travel and live in certain places if you don't have the finances there. So I set up my business in a way to be able to have like the finances and the funds and resources to do what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and that was a lot of trial and error, right? I didn't get it right the first time or the second or the third, but I quickly started to figure out how to get myself to a position where I could support myself and still travel. So I feel like financials are a very big part of everything. Like when you're moving to a new country, when you're traveling, everything, because like you don't know, especially if you're not a digital nomad, like if you have like a conventional quote unquote, like nine to five job, whatever, like you have a set income. And then <clears throat> once that runs out, it's like, what am I going to do to like earn money to travel? But how did you make that jump from like having like a steady income to just like deciding to like, yeah, become a digital nomad? Because like, I know you've been, your business has evolved, like, because you started as a, as a, mindset coach and now you're a podcast host so like how did that evolution came um like how how were you feeling like regarding like your financial situation um and all um that kind of thing that came with that the financial thing to me was something i would not recommend the way i did it to other people thinking of doing it i was basically living off my stimulus check and um, in Australia, we kind of had what we call like a 401k. And so because of the pandemic, they let us take it out without any penalty. It wasn't that much money. Like for three months, I had like $1,000. And then I think I had like my tax refund. And then mm -hmm. the fact that I didn't have rent and I wasn't really paying a lot for groceries, like the nanny family I was working for paid for a lot of our groceries. I was lucky that I didn't have a lot of expenses, but it started to hit me of like, what happens when this is over? Or like, what happens when the nannying job is over? And they're like, hey, you have to leave and you have to get a flight and you have to get an apartment. That's when I was like, oh my gosh, I need to figure this out. So I fortunately had like a good credit score and a good credit limit. And I was like, okay, I could like honestly live off my credit card. And that's when I just started thinking my business, how to structure it. And I knew I had to charge like one-on-one -on -one high ticket off the bat, which is something I really recommend people when you're starting your business and building financial stability, try to start like higher mid ticket versus low ticket, because it's going to be really hard to sustain yourself off of low ticket offers. So I got yeah. fortunate where, yeah, I was, um, I started charging high ticket and I had a lot of private clients, but I also kept my expenses low. So when I moved out of that nanny accommodation, I lived in a hostel and shared the room with like four other people. So I was living in bunk beds as a Yeah. what, 29 or 30 year old in Australia to save money. And I was eating cheaply and I was cooking. And that was really important to me because I was like, I can't rack up this credit card and then rack up my limit and then literally have no money. Uh, I really need to like think about this. So expenses I kept low. Um, I 
I chose to like stay in cheaper places. And I guess the second part of your question, like the evolution of how I got to that was mindset was something I started to notice that I felt very like strong or confident in. And when I started, when the pandemic hit, I felt like I was actually in the best mental space of my life, like physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I was like, I really want to teach people these skills. So let me start out teaching that. So that's what it started as was I'm going to teach people about mindset and like the tools and practices that you can use to shift it. Um, And I loved doing that for a really long time. And I think what started to happen was I bit off way more than I could chew. Like speaking of (laughs) figuring out business and what you can do, I was like, oh, let me take on like 13 one-on-one clients and launch a course and do this and have the podcast. And I eventually kind of just shut down because uh, I think I didn't realize the piece of mindset is you're doing a lot of like space holding and emotional like soaking in of other people's issues. And so I would have all these one-on-one clients that every week we were talking about so many different things from like relationship anxiety to body to insecurities at work. And I was just like, this is a lot to hold. And you have to remember we were in the middle of a pandemic and I was living with my ex in Germany where I was not really like, I didn't have a support system. So it's like, I kind of needed my own mindset coach or therapist to process it with. (laughs) So I was like taking on, you know, 13 private clients, constantly coming to me every week, Voxer, Zoom, et cetera. And then having no space to process that while I was also going through my own stuff, uh, I started to realize like, I don't know that this is sustainable or I need to like shift how I'm running this business. So then I started to think of, well, what other skills do you have? Like you have to have other skills from my six years in corporate America and I have my master's, et cetera. And podcasting was something that I always had going on. So I remember actually talking to my business coach and being like, I kind of want to teach people how to start podcasts, but I feel like that's weird. Like not, I don't know that a lot of people want to start a podcast. I don't even know if people pay for that. And she's like, why don't you just test it out? So I think I threw up on my Instagram stories like, Hey, who's actually interested in starting a podcast? And is this something you think you need help with? And like immediately four people were like, oh my gosh, I would love to work with you. I would love to start a podcast. Teach me how to do it. And I was like, oh, okay, this is real. Like I didn't just make it up in my head. So then I slowly started to shift to like podcast strategy, podcast coaching, content, et cetera. And then eventually I was like, okay, this feels good. This is my zone of genius. And then I phased out the mindset piece of my business. And that's what I do now today is like full on podcasting. Nice. So obviously like podcasting is your passion and it's a huge part of you, if not everything. Um, You literally helped me rebrand this podcast. Like you are so amazing at what you do, like your brain, like the way it works, it's just like mind blowing. Cause like, uh, like, yeah, I'm a podcast manager like myself. And then like, sometimes I help my clients with strategy and stuff, but when it comes to like your own business, like you can't really do that. Like, I don't know why it is about your business. Like you need like someone else to come with like, for type you and be like okay like this are the like the holes that you have on your business 100 percent. um but my question about this is like what do you think like makes you so passionate about like podcasting and helping others like uh start their own podcast i think what makes me so passionate is that there's a few different reasons is the first is like self-expression I think a lot of us feel limited in the way that we can express ourselves. But if we all go back to what we were doing in like childhood and kindergarten and early years, in some way, shape or form, we are expressing ourselves through music or art or athletics or dance or something. And so, and then all of a sudden you go to college and it turns into like 
math, engineering, science, chemistry, like all this stuff that you don't get to like play or express anymore. And so expressing yourself starts to feel like this almost like silly hobby. And I feel like people then lose sight of themselves and they don't feel fulfilled internally. So then they're just going to their nine to five every day, working, coming home, making dinner, rinse and repeat, getting drunk on the weekends. And there's no like outlet to really express yourself. So I started to find just through my own podcast experience, like really developing a stronger sense of self-esteem and confidence and creativity. And I'm like, I feel like this is beyond helping people launch a podcast. Like this is really helping people find their voice. And that's what makes me passionate now is I've seen people completely 180 their life. Like they're like, wow, I'm actually speaking my truth. I actually have something to say. What I say matters. I have this new sense of confidence. And that is what lights me up. I'm like, beyond the tech and the mic and the editing, I'm like, yes, we can set that up. And it's so fun when you get your first episode live, but it's the feeling of like, I'm developing a body of work with my own stories and experiences that could create like a legacy, which I think is mind blowing. And I think the other part too is, especially as women, I'm reading a book right now, like we used to be silenced for literally talking too much. I'm reading this book where they literally would take clips and like shut women's mouths in the town square or waterboard them in front of everybody to like show them like, don't talk too much. And I'm like, we're in an era where we can talk about whatever we want. Like we have the capabilities to, so it's like almost if anything, it's like, do it for your ancestors, do it for the people that couldn't speak, do it for the people that don't have a platform or voice. Like if you have the freedom and resources and capability to speak your truth, that's what I get fired up about helping people with. I love that. I absolutely love that. (laughs) And the fact that you also like get to speak your truth um, through your podcast, like it's just- It's just amazing and mind blowing that we can do like that, that we live in it in a, in a time of uh, that we are able to do that and just like connect with like so many other people through the power of like just using your voice. Right. Because at the end of the day, that's what you're doing. Just just, just you're just using your voice to communicate something that you think only you are experiencing or like only you're interested about. But then you like put it out in the world. And it's like, oh, like actually there's like other people that are interested in this. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And the fact that you get to do that and also leave, uh, like also live a life of like leisure and fun. Um, how does that, how does that make you feel like being able to experience and explore the world while also just helping other people use their voice and just do something that you're passionate about? Like, how does that make you feel? I think for me, it, I do have to like pinch myself often to be like, this was a doing of my own. Like this didn't accidentally happen to me. This wasn't like, oh, whoa, I woke up and now I have all this freedom and time. And like, that's not what happened. Like I had to do so much to get here and make so many hard decisions and like implement things and get rid of things and hire people and fire people. Like I've had to do a lot to get here. So when I actually look at my schedule in my life, the feeling is like just pure gratitude and joy. It's like, wow, I, I, I built this and honestly, like a sense of power that I don't feel like I had in a corporate setting or in my like, quote unquote, old life, where it was just like life happened to me. And now I feel like this sense of ownership of my life of like, I created this, like I architected this life. And I think, yeah, I think podcasting and starting my own business 100% contributed to that. So what's the favorite part of your life right now that out of everything 
one of my favorite parts is like, I get to create my own schedule and really like owning that of like, yeah, if I want to take the month of August off, I can. If I want to take Fridays off, I can set up my life that way. If I want to wake up and start work at 2 p.m., I can. And that's my favorite part because again, it's like, that's the dynamic I get to create using my own energy, my experiences, the way I work best. And then in, with traveling, to be honest, it's just the connections I make, like the people I'm talking to, the conversations I have, people's perspectives. It's like, it just continues to open your mind bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's something that I've been traveling now for years and it still never ceases to amaze me, the conversations mm. I have with people and what we talk about at dinners. And that's kind of what it, when I zoom out of like, what am I doing this all for? Like, what's the point of this? It's like, it, it is these conversations. Like, I create free time in my calendar so that I can go to dinner with people and hear their perspectives. I do try to wake up later in the day so I can enjoy the morning and walk on the beach in whatever country I'm in. Like th these are the reasons I'm trying to create a life of my own. So I would say those are definitely my favorite parts. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love all that. Like, especially like the part where like connecting with people, it's mm -hmm. like very important. Cause like in the different perspectives too. Right. Cause, uh, Cause you can only have like so many different perspectives, like in, in your circle, like in your everyday circle, like if you're, and if you're doing like the same things over and over again. So like, I think that's, that's just amazing. Uh, but then obviously like that comes with challenges, right? Like being a digital nomad, being away from your family, like basically I would say like emigrating somewhere new, like every couple of months or like every like certain amount of time. So what do you find like the most challenging part of that is? Oh, yeah, I would say there's two main things that are really challenging. One's more business and one's more personal. Business wise, yeah. the most challenging is the time zone changes and having to like completely mm. change my calendar. Because I, I work with clients that are in different countries. Like I have one client in Australia, I have clients in Canada and the US, all over. And it is so hard when like they booked out all their calls and I'm like, oh, wait, I'm going to a time zone that's six hours ahead. I can't meet with you at three in the morning. We're going to have to move all your calls <laughs> around. And it turns into this like big rescheduling task that I just, that is the worst part for me is like, I wish that didn't happen. I wish the whole world was on like one time zone, but, <laughs> but it's not. So I think that's the most annoying thing travel wise, like business wise, emotionally, the hardest thing is that you are constantly destabilizing yourself every time you pick up and move. Like you get used to a certain country or place. And so now you know the, colloquialisms and like the slang and the local coffee shop and like you get into a routine and you have all these friends that you go out with. For example, right now I'm in Lima, Peru, and there's this group of like six of us that have really started to hang out a lot. And we go to dinner together and we go watch the sunset and we'll go get lunch. And I'm so used to hanging out with them and the conversations we have. And that's all changing in two days. I'm leaving and none of them are coming with me. And so I'm like, wow, this is really weird that I have to completely start over. Like, where's my next cafe? Who am I working with? Uh, my personal trainer. Like I love hiring personal trainers now. It's like, I have to find a new trainer, friends, right? Like making new friends and dynamics. And I think that's something travel has helped me do really well is make new friends, but it's like creating group dynamics can be a bit difficult. And so yeah. that is the most challenging thing is like the group dynamic changes for me every month. And there are definitely times where I'm like, wow, I would love to just be chill with one group for like three to six months but the way I'm living right now it changes like every four to six weeks gotcha and like where are you, where are you going next I'm going to Mexico City oh fine that's yeah. so nice yeah I'm um, excited. yeah so obviously like 
I feel that in a way that Vancouver, uh, which is where I live, is like very clicky. So mm-hmm. when I first move here, like, but then again, like I've just made like one move to like one country and that's it, like once in my lifetime. Like it's not that I've been moving like every four to six weeks to like a, right. different, like a different country, but I feel like that was like one of the most challenging parts, like definitely connecting with people and like starting over again. Because like you're used to, even yourself, like that it's like for a sh- like short period of time. Yeah, like you're used to like people that you hang out with for like four to six weeks. And then it's like, okay, I have to go do it all over again. (laughs) Yeah. All over again. And it's interesting though. I think what had the good thing about that is it helped me realize like how big and small the world is. So like big in that, like, oh my God, I can make new friends everywhere I go. There's always people I can get along with. There's always fun things to do. There's always activities I can be part of. And the flip side of that is like, because of the community I travel with and like where I'm going, I end up knowing way more people than I think I could go to like a random city and there's like three people there that are somehow I've crossed paths with, or they're friends of friends or someone sees me. I'm in Mexico city. You should link up with my friend. She's in Mexico city. And now we're good friends. Like that's something that I don't have anxiety about anymore. And moving all the time used to really destabilize me. Like I remember in Australia, all my friends moved within like two weeks and I just had a full mental breakdown. I was like, what the what the hell is happening like all my friends are gone I have no one to hang out with I have no support system where now I'm not even like worried about going to Mexico City I'm just like of course I'll make friends like of course I'll see people I know of course I'll overlap with people um and that's really helped me calm my like anxiety about moving all the time Mm. um another question that I have like do you feel like those relationships that you're that you're like cultivating uh um are very like superficial or like do you go like in depth or like do you not want to go in depth because like oh I'm going to say bye to them like anyway like in a couple of of days like what like how do you feel about about that whole dynamic I feel like for me this is something I realized actually in the last like three months is emotional depth and connection is like a really high priority and need for me so with these relationships like I tend to gravitate towards people that also want that the people that are at dinner opening up and almost like oversharing in a way and we're getting deep and we're asking questions those are the conversations that I'm like let's have those like I'm ready for those and I want to invest in those types of relationships um like even this past week at dinner there were five of us and we went to this super nice place and for two hours we spent talking about like the way we grew up in childhood and like, were we jealous of our siblings and how do we get along with our parents? And like, how do you open up to your parents? And I'm like, wow, these are like really intense conversations. It wasn't like, yeah, what are we drinking this weekend? And where are you shopping? And like, and I have met people like that along the way. And it's not to say I don't enjoy those lighthearted conversations too, but I just find yeah. <laughs> the way I spend my time and like who I you know, give invites to and who I want to hang out with are the people that I feel like I can open up and get deep with. But that is because that is a high need for me. And so that's what I prioritize. That's awesome. So now like moving from friendships to romantic relationships, like obviously uh, dating in general in this day and age is like so incredible. For me, like it has been like very, very challenging Mm. to date um, because I feel that I, well, obviously there's other, like there's, uh, past trauma whatever that has like made me the way that I am but right. also I feel like connecting on a deeper level with someone else is also challenging so I feel that when you find that you just almost want to keep them so like what has that that like I guess the most challenging part about dating as a digital nomad because like it's not that you're gonna be 
in in a place for like for a set amount of time sorry you're gonna be in a place for a set amount of time and then you're gonna like just move Mm -hmm. so how's dating as a digital nomad like how is how is life for you oh that one is definitely the hardest because like you said it's very rare that you find someone that either has like the exact same plan as you or the same route or the same flexibility. Um, You know, I meet a lot of people that work remote, but some of them, they have to go back to the office or some of them only got approved to work remote for one month or they can't change time zones and go to Europe. They can only stay in like South America because it's the same time zone. So there's all these factors that you constantly have to factor in that if I was just, let's say, still living in Chicago, none of that would be an issue. It would be like, let's just get to the point of like, do we align with our values? Do we align with our lifestyles? Do we want the same things? It's like, now you have to add these 20 other layers of like, where do you want to live? How much time do you want to spend there? What, how much, what's your budget for like cost of living? And are you open to learning new languages? Like there's so many variables that come into play. So I do find it quite challenging. What I will say is, I also see so many couples forming while I'm traveling that make it work. And I've done that myself. Actually, like two out of my three ex-boyfriends I've met while traveling. And so I'm like, clearly it's not impossible. You, you know, you kind of find a compromise and you're like, you know what? Yeah, like, let's do this. Let's make our paths cross. Let's actually build a life together. So I know it's not impossible. I just think as I get older, I'm not willing to sacrifice so much as I was when I was in my 20s. Where I think, yeah, in my 20s, I was like, yeah, I'll follow them and we'll go here and like, no problem, I'll make it work. Where now I'm like, mm, like, I don't want to live in the middle of nowhere in a cold town that I don't speak the language or <laughs> I don't want to live in a place that's like super, super expensive and I don't want to really like be in that environment. So that's something that, of course, it's challenging because it's like you're kind of making the pool a bit smaller every time you add non-negotiables in. But at the same yeah. time, it's like, kind of like with business, as they say, sometimes, you know, like niche down and you'll, you'll actually find like exactly who you're meant to find. I do find that to be true with digital nomad lifestyles. Like sometimes the more specific you are, you will find that there's someone that's like equally as specific. Um, but yeah, it's not easy. Like I'm kind of talking to someone right now, but he leaves in two days. He goes back to the States. I'm not going back to the States all year. We kind of agreed, like, let's just have fun while we're here. And then we'll part our separate ways. And that's tough, you know, because it's like we've had fun for the last month, but we're not yeah. on the same page. Um, and you get emotionally invested and you have fun together. And then all of a yeah. sudden you're like, OK, bye. Let me start all over again. Same thing with the friends. Um, so, yeah, it's not easy, but it's not impossible. Yeah. And do you find that like those relationships are like more more accelerated in a way because like you have to like open up and share so much of yourself and give mm-hmm. yourself to someone that it's like yeah, I might see you. I might not see you. Like, I definitely won't see you for the rest of the year because you're going back. Like, how does that? Oh, yeah. yeah how does that make you feel? <laughs> so accelerated. Like, I mean, my ex uh, that I lived with in Germany, we met in Australia in a hostel. And then we ended up staying in the same hostel for a month. And it was so accelerated because it was like we lived together basically for a month. Like, he stayed in my room every night. We cooked together. We spent all day together. So it's like spending even two weeks in a hostel together if you add up the amount of hours, that would be like dating someone for like six months, just going on like one date a week. So it's like super hyper accelerated. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you're clocking. Insane that you did the math and also like insane that that it's like six months. Like, yeah, living together with 
with someone for like a month it's like equals six months of like dating of like dating quote-unquote right. like real world right because think about it. if you're dating again like chicago that's where i used to live let's say you go on like yeah. one dinner date a week and maybe like see them on the weekend for a drink that's like two three four hours where like with my ex it's like we were hanging out from 9 a.m that we spend the night together and be together all day so it's like we were clocking like 24 hours together every yeah. single day for two or three weeks wild. it's like of course you're accelerated so I also think it's interesting too because you you know when you're dating someone there's a lot that you're trying to filter out like how do they treat people how do they spend their money how do they act in social situations are they friendly and you have to again like going to a city you have to to be in so many scenarios like see all those things where when you're traveling with someone even if it's for two weeks it's like you see all that pretty quickly um you, for example I just went on a trip this past weekend and the guy that I'm kind of talking to is there and it's like I can see how he treats people I can see how he is in groups yeah. I can see what he values I can see how he spends his money where that would take me a, a longer time to do in a city or like just quote-unquote normal lifestyle but I, yeah. so in a way it's good and bad, right? Cause it's like, oh, we're not really wasting time. Like I can pretty much see who you are in a few weeks or months. Um, and on the flip side of that, sometimes the acceleration of it doesn't give you time to process things that are happening or like really evaluate them because you're also kind of in fantasy land, right? Like I'm in yeah. Peru and we're going to like Machu Picchu and we're going sandboarding and we're going to the beach and we're surfing and we're watching sunsets, but it's like, that's not my life all the time. So I don't actually get to see who you are in the smaller day to day, like just doing laundry or how you clean the dishes or like little things like that, that you're like, oh yeah, who are you outside of all these big type of like honeymoon things and processing it. Right. Cause like, for example, this guy in my travel group, I see him every single day. So there's sometimes where I'm like, I don't even have a moment to like really consider how do I really feel about him or like, think about this in the future because it's like boom we're on to the next activity and we're hanging out we're going to dinner and we're doing this and um he made this point too that like it, it oftentimes make you makes you overlook red flags that you're like oh well whatever like we're only gonna be here for two weeks like we'll let that thing slide or like who cares that she does that doesn't really whatever you know i leave in two weeks yeah. where if you were dating someone in a different scenario you'd probably be like i'm gonna address that right now or like i don't want to continue investing yeah. in this person so it's definitely like a roller coaster, um, but it's also really interesting. <laughs> so we are talking about like the quote unquote, like the bad things or like the challenging things about dating abroad. So like, what are your favorite things about dating? Because like not everything is a challenge. Yeah, not everything is a challenge. I would say there's so many good things. I think the first is that someone that lives a digital nomad lifestyle or travels obviously values that as much as me. And so they're very open to prioritizing that and like spending their money on that so for me like i like spending my money on experiences and trips and like nice restaurants and you know that type of thing and so when you meet people that travel of course not everyone lives this way but you'll find it easier to align with people that have those same values or want to spend their money the same way so that's fun for me is like oh it's not crazy that we all went to machu picchu last weekend like we all did it together you know what i mean where i think back home if i Ask the guy, do you want to go to Machu Picchu? You'd be like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Yeah, we're not going to go to Machu Picchu together where this is like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, we'll go to Machu Picchu. So that's really <laughs> fun. I think also because of like all the countries I'm living in that are foreign, meeting so many foreigners and seeing how they live and their customs and how they interact with the world and the way they view things and, you know, what their 
um, beliefs are, they're, you know, so wildly different from where I come from. I find that so fascinating. I find it fun to date all these different types of cultures and people and like trying new food with them and like seeing their customs and rituals. Like that's super fun for me. And I also think um, there's this air of like, I don't know what the term would be. I don't know. There's like this essence of travel that people like want a big, big life. So it doesn't, you don't feel crazy. Like I used to feel crazy that I wanted to travel all the time and like go to these different countries and try new things. And I'm like, am I insane? Like who else, <laughs> who else is going to do that? And then you start to meet all these travelers and you're like, oh, there's a bunch of people that want to live like this. So it's fun to meet all these like very open-minded kind of like uh, pursuing like a big, big life type of people. And I find that really fun too with dating. Interesting. And do you feel like you ever are going to go back to like living full time in the States or? Not anytime no. soon. <laughs> no, I feel like, <laughs> uh, for starters, I found out there's like a massive tax saving strategy called FEIE, foreign income, foreign earned income exclusion. So okay. just from a like tax and money perspective, I, and owning my own business, <laughs> I was like, that is already a reason not to go. There's nothing. Every time I go to the States, I'm like, there's really nothing there with like the lifestyle values that really align with like the way I want to live my life. I feel like um, the more and more I learn about myself and the environments I want to be in, it is around people that value like leisure and downtime and like fun and experiences. And that's just not the culture in the US, right? The US is like yeah. hustle, 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 make as much money as you yeah. can, put your head down till you retire, look as hot as you can at all times and like constantly picking apart our appearances. And I don't know, when I, when I lived in Germany, I'm like, no one gives a shit what I do. No one asks about my income. No one cares what I look like. Everyone is just trying to like have picnics on the weekend. Like it was just such a different lifestyle that I was like, I think I need to like see that there is another way to live that's not the American way or quote unquote the American dream. Um, and I have experienced <laughs> that so much now. I've lived in so many different places that I'm like, it's very clear to me that going back to the States anytime soon just is not on my radar. Interesting. What has been your favorite place that you lived? um in, Ooh, in the I would past say, like you started traveling in last year mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. I started traveling like technically I started traveling in 2019 but I wasn't like a digital nomad so to speak because I had like jobs in Australia from Australian employers but yeah. I would say like digital nomad wise I really really loved Cape Town I was not expecting to like it I just was like oh cool we're going there it was part of a four-month trip I was going on and then I got there I'm like this is the most underrated place I've ever been. Like it's <laughs> such good food. It's healthy. The people are amazing. It's fun. It's cheap. There's so much nature. Like it was just so unexpected. And so I would say Cape Town quickly went to the top of my list of like favorite places I've been recently. And what made you, so you're in South America right now. So like what made you want to explore South America? So and two, two things is that the the group travel I keep talking about is with, with this company called Remote Year, and they do mm -hmm. remote working programs for people that want to work remote, but like have a group to travel with. So you can do one month programs, you can do four months or 12 months. So I did a four month one in the summer of last year where we went to Cape Town and then Europe, where um, I then Black Friday happened and they have these sale on these one month programs. And I was like, well, I've been to Europe a lot. I just did Cape Town. I've never been to South America and all the people in my group travel program were raving about Colombia and Mexico city and Peru and all these places that I was like, I don't know why they've just never been on my radar. 
And then I would meet these people and they would show me their pictures and experiences. And I'm like, maybe I should consider South America. So when Black Friday came around, the remote year company actually had these huge sales on two of their monthly programs, Colombia and Argentina. And for some reason, I've always wanted to go to Buenos Aires. So I was like, oh, it's on the list. Like, let me buy that that trip. So yeah, I bought two programs in South America with that company. And then um, I think a big reason was like, A, I haven't been to South America. B, my mom is Hispanic, but I actually don't know Spanish. So I was like, it would be amazing to practice <laughs> my Spanish. And C, it was just, yeah, like new opportunities. Like I truly had never seen anything in South America. So I was like, let's give it a shot. Interesting. Oh, I love that. Um, so out of South America, what has been your favorite country? Ooh, so I'm about to wrap up in Peru. And it's interesting. I don't know that I have a favorite because they were all so different for different reasons. Like Colombia, I found very lively and like very warm and welcoming people and very like vivacious and fun and just energetic. Whereas Argentina, I found like the lifestyle to be very interesting. Like people eat really late and there's just like a lot of slowness, but then it's also like a very vibrant city too. Whereas now in Peru, it's like a lot of nature. The food is incredible. Like probably some of my favorite food I've ever tried. So they're all a little bit different. Yeah. Like they're all a little bit different. Um, Like I had so much fun in all three of them. So honestly, I don't know which one's my favorite. They're all favorites for different reasons. (laughs) Fair. And have you had any challenges when it comes to language and like communicating with other people? Um, Since you're like in Spanish, like Spanish speaking countries and you don't speak. Spanish, yeah. which I, I'm guessing like you picked up like a few words here and there. Yeah. And like, again, my mom is Hispanic. So it's like, I do know the basics. I can kind of get around, but it's interesting because I've been here for three months in South America and I thought I would be speaking like way more fluently and I'm still not, I think it's because I haven't been practicing or prioritizing it as much. And in yeah. Colombia, I remember we went to Medellin where they're like, oh, it's a digital nomad hub and you don't have to worry about learning like any type of Spanish because everyone speaks English. And I did not find that to be the case. Like most places (laughs) did not speak English. So like the nail salon, the hair salon, like, so I would go and I would have to whip out my calculator, not my calculator, my translator app and (laughs) people translate and have them like speak to them. Oh my God. In Argentina, I had a tech nightmare and my laptop broke and I had to buy a a backup one and no one could come to help me. So I was literally buying a brand new laptop in Argentina using a Google translate for like 30 minutes with this guy. Uh, And that's when I was like, wow, this is actually, I really should consider like taking Spanish lessons. So yeah, there's definitely been challenges, Um, you know, also with language barriers too. Sometimes people say things and Americans can be like, oh, that was cold or like they're being rude or they're being like loud or direct or whatever the case is. And I'm like, no, they're just speaking in their like native tongue, but like they're trying to speak English just the way if I said like, I don't know, I am Chelsea, like, yo, soy Chelsea. It might sound like, oh, why is she being so formal? Or like, why isn't she being more casual? You know what I mean? And I find that sometimes I have to remind myself, like, they're not being rude or mean or cold. Like, they're just trying to speak a language to me that they don't know. And I think that's something that a lot of people forget. And so that can be challenging, too, is just, like, the language barriers sometimes come off as, like, a different attitude when it's not just a language barrier. Yeah. It's almost like texting. You don't even yes. you don't know what like the tone, what tone to like put it. Exactly, a hundred percent. Yeah. 
Um, one thing that I mentioned, like before we started recording is that there's a snake on your room <laughs> and yes. then you have a picture of a snake. <laughs> Do you feel like that it was like a sign or something that you were meant to be in Peru just because of that, uh, picture behind you yeah I found it really interesting because I so the travel group we wrote here came here um this month to Peru and I didn't sign up for the program so I was like well let me just go to Peru and I can like jump in on some of their activities and so mm -hmm. I was looking for Airbnbs and it was very last minute and I needed mm -hmm. I wanted to be by them like walking distance to where everyone was staying and so when I was looking for Airbnbs I was like wow these are either a really expensive or b like really shitty airbnb like they're not even that great yeah. and so i was like where can i find one and i found one from this company they have all these airbnbs and I, i found an amazing one and i realized it was like 45 minutes away from where everyone was staying and so i asked do you have any other properties that are closer to this specific neighborhood and they sent me this one and then i saw the snake and i was like that's pretty weird that the one property that you have that's like pretty close to where i want to be has the snake so yeah i did see it as like a funny little wink for the universe like This might be your Airbnb for the month. I was like, okay. I love that. I love that. Um, and so one thing that's like, well, I guess going back to financials, now that you said like that it's 45 minutes away, then everything was expensive and stuff. Um, do you find it easier to be able to afford these experiences yourself because you're traveling to places that are like much cheaper, like compared to what like being in this or like traveling in the States might be? Yeah, 100%. Um, for example, in Cape Town, I ate out all the time and never once like felt the need to like check my credit card or look at my bank account. Not that I wasn't. But I remember in the States, I would be like, whoa, that was a pretty expensive dinner, especially in Chicago, right? You go out for one oh, weekend yeah. and you can spend $300 on drinks and dinner and all these things. So I remember yeah. in I Cape just Town, wanted, just yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you're like, where did all my money go? So I find that to be incredibly different. Although I will say, I did not know Peru had so many like $4 sign restaurants and Michelin star restaurants and like some of the best chefs yeah. in the world. And we're traveling mm. with a bunch of people that like really prioritize that. And so I've been spending a lot of money on food in Peru that I was like, I was not expecting to spend $100 on dinner once a week on these like nice restaurants. So that's oh, something I'm I trying to be like careful of. I feel like you have to. <laughs> I know. I feel like you have to, yeah. Like it... Yeah, I, I, I like Peru is on my list, like mostly because of the food. It's just, it's, so it's just amazing. Good. It's so like, good. even when you have it like outside, like there's a restaurant here that is like a Peruvian fusion restaurant, but it's, and it's incredible. not like authentic and it's like, it's great, but I'm like, I just want the real thing. <laughs> yeah, I did not. I don't know. I knew it was ceviche and fish, but I'm like, whoa, I'm blown away by like the sauces and the flavors and the ingredients. So I would say actually Peru is like my top three food countries right now. Mm, yeah uh, I like every time I see your stories I'm like ah uh, drooling like I just want to be there and like eat <laughs> all the so fish good. and all the ceviche and everything so my last question for you is that so you obviously love the challenges love the obviously the good stuff just love being a digital nomad in general what do you think that has taught you about yourself Ooh, that's such a good question <laughs> I would say I actually realized this pretty recently that I am very patient, which I don't think that was a word I would have used to describe myself before. Like even when I was a teenager, I remember being like having a quick fuse and outburst and like didn't know how to process things and really annoyed and stressed with everything. And even in corporate America, getting like so stressed about the smallest things like a an email or like my to do list and just 
having all these literally outbursts. And I think traveling has given me so much patience, right? Like a flight changes oh or you have to check an extra bag they didn't know you had to check or you end up in the wrong airport. Like so many things have gone wrong ever since I've been traveling. And I've just learned to develop a patience because I've also learned like patient people end up getting the most help, right? The ones that are outbursting at customer service counters and like yelling at people, no one wants to help them. But the patient ones that are keeping their cool and trying to keep it easy going tend to be the ones that people want to help out more. And so th I think for me, not only uh, realizing how much patience I have, but how much that has served me in really sticky situations just shows me how much that I want to like keep that patience going. And it's a trait that I, again, really want to like nurture. So that's one that comes to mind. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Um, so that was all my questions for you. Um, I love having this conversation with you, obviously. Yes, I'm learning a little same. bit more about you and like, um, yeah, like why you love what you do. Like at the end of the day, like my my goal is to like share this, like your stories and like other people's stories about like their traveling and just uh, let people know that it's not like it's not easy, obviously, to like having to move every time, but also it's not impossible. So Thank you so much for sharing that. So um, where can people find you and how can people work with you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me at Chelsea Rife. It's C-H-E-L-S-E-A-R-I-F-F-E -F -F -E on Instagram. My website is ChelseaRife.com. My podcast is in my non-expert opinion and you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. And yeah, if you want to work with me, just check out my website or DM me on Instagram. You can always email me info at ChelseaRife.com too. And I'm happy to help you either launch, grow or monetize your podcast. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chelsea. And everything will be in the show notes. So make sure to check those out. And yeah, thank you so much again for having this Yay. conversation with me. Of course. Thank you. I had such, such a good time. Thank you so much for listening to the From Tours to Local podcast. If you enjoy this episode as much as I did creating it for you, share it on your favorite social media platform. And please tag me at Mafis Alasar so I can reshare it. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And don't forget to follow me on all social media platforms. I love to connect with all of you. I am on Instagram, TikTok, and if you want to support the podcast, check out our Patreon. All of the links can be found in the episode notes. Thank you again for the support and until the next episode.